Well, good morning, church, again. We are continuing our study through the book of 1 John. We are in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the first six verses. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and these fine gentlemen will bring one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. From just a gentleman to a fine gentleman. Okay. Thank you, fine gentleman. 1 John chapter 4, the first six verses this morning we're going to look at. John writes, beginning in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The title of my message this morning is, Lovable is not gullible. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can spend together in your word. Thank you for bringing each person here this morning. Lord, we know that you have a message, a word to each one of us that are here. Lord, you have a word to to us as a congregation. We thank you, Lord, for this time together. We thank you, Lord, that uh, as your word says, we should not forsake the gathering of ourselves together, especially as we see, Lord, your return is near. So thank you for this time. Lord, we do pray if there's anyone that has joined us that has yet to surrender their heart and life to you. They're not born again this morning. Lord, uh, we pray that you'd touch their heart and they'd see their need to get saved, to know you as their Lord and as their Savior. So bless our time together, we pray. Bless our children as they are ministered to downstairs and taught your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, with the uh, invention of the social, of social media and the ability to post things uh, on it, it really has shown to us just how gullible people really are. Take, for example, some of these posts I have found uh, meant to be sarcasm, but taken seriously. The first one says this. Home Depot releases new Bluetooth cordless hose. But then you have this person posting, where does the water come from? Is it just a water gun, basically? They believed it. How about this one? Delta Airlines is adding a button that lets the pilot know you want the plane to go fast. And they believed it. Response, why do I feel this will go horribly wrong? Because it's not true. Okay. This one. Post says, fall canceled after three billion seasons. The classic period of the year, which once occupied a coveted slot between summer and winter, will be replaced by new stifling humidity levels, near constant sunshine, and almost no precipitation for months. The response, you can't just cancel a season. That makes no sense. (laughs) This next one is my favorite. Last one. 
She wore placed orchids in plastic bags of water while cleaning tanks. <laughs> like Finding Nemo or something. They did big old, and then in the post, this is why SeaWorld needs to go. It's called being gullible. P.T. Barnum made a fortune on the theory that a sucker is born every minute, and he's made many disciples today. Well, let's bring it into the spiritual realm. I'm old enough to remember, maybe some of you are, a man named Peter Popoff. We used to call him Peter Ripoff. German-born American televangelist, a debunked faith healer. He was caught in 1986 for using an earpiece and receiving radio messages from his wife, giving him the names and addresses and elements of the audience members during his services. He claimed falsely God revealed this information to him so that, that he could pretend to, to cure them through faith healing. He was exposed, went bankrupt the next year, made a comeback in the late 1990s, beginning, beginning in the mid-2000s. He produced a, a, and promotes miracle spring water on late-night infomercials and refers himself as a prophet. He's still at it. Ollie Anthony, he's the founder of Trinity Foundation, He's investigated Popoff and other faith healers since 1987. He said this, We've done so many stories about him, but it never does any good. His, his, his scams are endless. It just goes on and on and on. Well, listen, nothing is new. Let's go all the way back to the early church. In the early church, there was this incredible surge of spiritual life happening. People were coming to know the Lord by the thousands. The book of Acts teaches us that the church, Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. The Holy Spirit flooded upon new believers. The, the believers shared everything they had with other believers. This love was going on. But no sooner did that spiritual thing happen than disruption began to happen within the church. Several of them. You, you go to Acts chapter 5 and you read the story of Ananias and Sapphira lying about selling up some property and, and Peter's terminology is very suggestive. He says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then the wave of persecution came. Satan's plan to stamp out Christianity from its inception. And then finally and continually came in the false teachers, the false doctrines. And that's what John has been writing about and we've been looking at since we started our studies in the book of 1 John. See, when John wrote this, he had a particular person in mind, and we brought up his name before. It was a man named Serenthus. He was a false prophet, but very, very popular during his day. Serenthus said that Jesus was not God. He was just a man, but a very good and obedient one, but still just a man. He taught that Jesus was born naturally. He lived obediently to God, but at his baptism, the Christ spirit, or essence, came down upon him. And he would say that essence enabled Jesus to do the miracles and enabled him to teach wonderful things for three years. But then right before his crucifixion, the Christ spirit left him. So when Jesus died, he died merely as an individual, a human being. The Christ spirit was preserved from suffering. They denied that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh, the incarnation. And this is what John is writing about. These people are believing this and they're confused and they're taking this in. It's Gnosticism. These were Gnostics and it was a real problem because many of the early church, they were opening their homes to these teachers that would come in and they'd sit down and they'd think, well, he's got a message from God. 
See, they had this, this love one for another, and, 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 and as the title of the study suggests, you can be lovable but not gullible. Because the, the, their pulpits, they were not guarded. And as a result, the early church became very gullible to what was being taught in the church. They became very confused. So John here outlines for us some tests that we can apply to see if what is being said is true or false. You know, if you're around babies, you know that they will put anything in their mouth. The other day we went to this restaurant downtown, good restaurant, and we were with my, my, grand, my twin grandgirls, and, and, and all of a sudden I hear mom go, no, don't do that. She, she had her face down on the ground, and there's a piece of gum, and she was <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 don't, no, this is wrong. <laughs> Okay, we're pretending we didn't see that. Oh, that didn't really happen. No, no. Because you teach your kids, don't, just don't put anything in your mouth. You've got to watch where it comes from. Well, the Spirit said, God is saying, as His kids, be careful what you take in. Be careful what you listen to. Be, be careful what you hear. Now, if you're taking notes, we're going to see three things this morning that, that John gives us uh, to develop godly discernment. That is, he's going to talk about false prophets, number one. Faithful preachers, number two, and how we need to be fearless people, number three. First, number one, false prophets. Look at verse one. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I love that John begins by saying, beloved. He wants us to know, he wanted the church to know there, that you're divinely loved by God. God doesn't want you to be confused. He doesn't want you to be deceived. You're loved by God. And that's why John says, do not believe every spirit. In other words, don't swallow. Don't take in everything that comes your way. Don't be gullible. And he tells us why. Because many false prophets, not just one or two, he says many false prophets have gone out into the world to deceive. Now, again, the early church as today they had a problem that they, they wanted to believe everything that was said from, from a pulpit or from a teacher they came in. As long as the name of Jesus or God was tagged into it, they wanted to believe it. And you know, I admire people like that and respect people who have that kind of loving attitude. You just love the Lord and if a teacher talks about Jesus, you just want to trust and love that everything you're hearing is going to be just for you and is right. That'd be nice, but it's not true. John says, do not believe every spirit. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice that John separates the prophets from the spirits. Again, let me read that. Do not believe every spirit because false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, why does he do that? Well, we know Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a spiritual battle going on. We know as Christians there is a visible world and an invisible world. And though it's invisible, it is occupied by very real spirit beings. Barnhouse calls it the invisible war, the struggle between the forces of God and those that stand in opposition to God. Now God delights in confronting humanity with the truth of His Son, Jesus Christ. The truth of man's sinful condition and God's sinless solution is the difference between life and death, truth and error, heaven and hell. God desires to impart the spirit of truth to all who come to Jesus Christ. Now, the opposite of that is found in the devil. 
I mean, his desire is to introduce lies and errors and deception and fear so that people will be enslaved to sin and eventually die. See, whenever you have an activity in heaven going on, uh, you're going to have a, a counteract that uh, really uh, from hell is going to happen. Whenever God moves, the devil moves to counter that move. It's like this big chess game. Now, we all know that Jesus said concerning his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. But let me tell you, the, the, the devil's been trying ever since Jesus said those words. You and I are living in very dangerous days, and people are bold for evil today. They don't realize it, but in their bold for evil, they hate Jesus. There's an underlying spirit that's happening, and they hate to hear his name mentioned because of the demonic activity that they are engaged in. Listen to this description of the times in which we are living in, written almost 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He tells us, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, Now the Spirit expressly says, In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Totally describes the days in which we're living in today. Doctrines of demons. We've seen it. It's going on in our world today. We're seeing it around us, especially, especially in the political world today. When it comes to the COVID virus and the, and the vaccines. Listen, I know that the COVID virus is real. And in fact, uh, my friend, Pastor Rick Jardine from up in uh, Olathe, he went home to be with the Lord last Thursday. COVID-related complications. Pray for his wife, Charlotte, his family, for comfort and peace. We know COVID is real. And maybe some of you know that some lost their lives because of it. It's a real sickness. But here's what's demonic to me. And I recently heard Pastor Jack Hibbs say this, the very same thing about the virus. He said, and I agree, quote, There is an unexplainable, unreasonable reaction to the virus that has not come from the virus. And he says, the scientists, you are 98 plus some percent able to survive this. There are flus and other sicknesses out there that are worse. Nobody's talking about them. Nobody's talking about AIDS anymore. More people are dying from AIDS, but nobody is talking about that. Why? Because it doesn't fit in the, whatever agenda that is going on. The agenda is spiritual. The agenda is doctrines of demons. Now, how do we know that? Well, what is the result of all this? Abject fear all around the world. Gripping fear. I mean, that's the way the devil works. Maybe you, you don't know this, but speaking to MSNBC, Dr. Fauci, use that term very lightly, said a monster variant, monster variant of COVID-19 could emerge, which would be functionally different enough for vaccines to no longer offer any protection, leading to a dangerous spiral. Oh, no fear. Watch out. A monstrous variant. You know, it's been said that 98% of scientists agree with whoever is funding them. <laughs> Let that one sink in for a minute. And when politics is allowed to influence science, the winner is always going to be the politician. Think about this, the control politicians have and have had over people's lives even right now. Governors that said, you can't worship together. You can't meet as a church. Taking control. California, Maine, Calvary Chapels were fined millions of dollars for saying, no, we've got to do what the Bible says. We will meet. Just for obeying Scripture. 
And now we're seeing more and more persecution that comes where mostly Christians are saying, I need to make sure what goes into my body doesn't hurt me, so I believe that God is telling me not to take this vaccine. And persecution is coming to those who want a religious exemption from taking this vaccine. People should have a choice. should not be mandated. If you want to take it and the Lord shows you it's okay, fine. If you don't, you should be able to say no. Yeah, we have a governor in New York saying that the vaccines are from God and she's sending out her apostles to make sure everyone gets it. Listen, something's up. It's not political. It is a spiritual issue. Doctrines of demons. Demons do what demons do best. They deceive and fear is one of their biggest weapons that they use in their arsenal. That's why we're told, and we'll look at when we get to it in verse 18 and 19 here in chapter 4, that there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Here's my point. Where there is so much deception and lies, there's only one place where you're going to get 100% truth 100% of the time, and that's in God's Word, period. As our friend Dennis X shared recently, once you know the truth, you cannot be deceived. But Paul is saying here, it said, there's deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. Have you ever heard of a deceiving spirit? I don't think any of us really has ever confronted a spirit being, but I bet almost all of you have heard the propaganda through their mouthpieces, their, their prophets. And they, they say these crazy things and have these crazy ideas, not biblical, that's really doctrines of demons, deceiving spirits. That's why John here is telling us to examine the spirit behind the person, behind the mouthpiece. Again, verse 1, test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Let me modernize this for us. When you listen to a so-called Christian podcast, listen very carefully whether what they're saying comes from God because many false prophets, false teachers have podcasts. Now, some men are clearly false prophets. They're easy to recognize. Some are just plain confused who they are. Some just plain mess up when they speak and, 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 and they don't correct themselves. I take, for example, Pastor Stephen Furtick, founder and lead pastor of Elevation Church, in a video claiming very clearly he is God Almighty. His quote, I am God Almighty. There's a video of it. It's too disturbing for me to show. I'm looking at it. I should show the church. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it again. Now, whether he meant to say that or not, whether it was taken out of context, the bottom line is he said it, and I've yet to find him saying, no, that's not what I meant. I've looked. And sadly, the same guy who claims that Jesus broke the law to save us, not fulfilled the law that Jesus did, but broke the law. (laughs) Jesus never sinned, never broke one law. Joyce Myers, another gal out there, she said, we are little gods, even though the Bible says God is God alone. She also said that Jesus went to hell to pay for our sins, even though the Bible says Jesus paid for our sins once and for all on the cross. Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers are all in the same false teaching camp. Joseph Prince says, turning from sin not necessary for justification or forgiveness. Andrew Womack, God spoke Jesus into existence. And the best out of all of them, Kenneth Copeland, you're all God, you don't have a God living in you, you are one. When I read in the Bible where God tells Moses I am, I say, yeah, I am too. (laughs) Oh, no, you're not. Far from it. Test the spirits, John says. 
test the spirits, whether they're of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world and they're still going out. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7:15: Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That's how they come to us. They, they look like sheep. They got a Bible in their hands. They talk about God. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Paul emphasizes the same thing in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, when he says, test all things, hold fast to what is good. See, our tendency is to believe first and test afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, wait, that's unbiblical. <laughs> you know, and I think of it this way. I mean, if you have reason to believe that the food that you're about to eat is poison, would you taste it first before testing it? <laughs> Oh, I think this might be poison. Let me see. Yep, it's poison. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. The word for test there that, that uh, Paul uses uh, and is a, it's a word that from the original language used to describe testing certain metals to see if they're, they're, they're real. You know, if you, before you acquired gold or silver, you put it to the test to see if it's genuine. Same way. Before you take as truth anything, some pastor or teacher our evangelist, our, our podcast guy might say, even me, put it to the test. Compare it to the Word of God. The Bible encourages us to think, to use the brains He's given us to discern. In fact, the Bible says there's a gift of discernment we can pray for. Do you know that some New Testament books were specifically written to expose false doctrine? Jude, Second Peter, Galatians, parts of 1 Corinthians, parts of 1 John, because Satan is actively trying to deceive even today. He's been doing it ever since Adam and Eve there in the garden. Has God really said? And he keeps going on and on and on. You know, we're told by, by Paul in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You know, I think of, I think of the Wizard of Oz. We've all seen the scene. You know, they're sent out to get the witch's broom and they come back and, and Toto is barking at the curtain. You know, all of a sudden he pulls the curtain aside and there's the old man running all the controls for, I am the powerful Oz. No, not, you're really not. You know, it's a deception. See, that's what John is doing here. He's saying, let's pull back the curtain. Let's see, show uh, this for what it is. Don't believe every spirit. Rip the curtain open. Don't believe just anything. Test everything. Because point number one, there's going to be false prophets. Number two, this brings us to faithful preachers. You see, the real issue is Jesus. Who do you say that Jesus is? John says the one that can be trusted, the one that can be listened to, will be all depends who he says, what he says about Jesus. This is how you'll know. Look at verse 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So the very first test to see if this person is a faithful preacher or not is the Incarnation. Does that person speaking on that podcast, does that pastor, does that book, does that group, does that church believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? That behind, uh, that the idea behind the phrase, that, the, that is the idea behind the phrase incarnation. The faithful preacher will not deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Listen, there are some 
absolutely non-negotiable truth that if you deny, then you are a false teacher. If you deny the Trinity, if you deny the deity of Jesus Christ, if you deny His sinless life and substitutionary death upon the cross, if you deny salvation by grace through faith alone, the gospel, then you are a false teacher. Those are non-negotiable. Whether you want to be dunked or sprinkled when you're baptized, it doesn't matter. But these are non-negotiable. And the second thing that John points out to testing to see if they're a false or faithful preacher, do they say the same things about Jesus that God says about Jesus? That's what the word confess means in the Greek, to say the same thing about, John says. And he says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And the idea of verse 2 is that do they continually, constantly say the same thing that God says about his son? If they don't, John says, then it's the spirit of Antichrist. And the spirit of Antichrist is, is alive and well today, he says, or then, then today it's even more so. See, the faithful preacher, John says, will acknowledge Jesus as God, that he's come to this earth in the flesh, both humanity and divinity wrapped in one, and he freely gave his life for the sins of mankind. He rose from the dead three days later, and all those who put their faith and trust in him and the finished work of the cross will be saved. But, John says, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Pretty, pretty simple. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now, John is saying, and, and we can apply this, that, that, that there's a spirit of Antichrist that has been working in the world from the very beginning, manifesting in very different ways errors throughout time, but it's still even working today. If he said it back then, it's now, it's even more so today. And throughout the book of Revelation, we see that this Antichrist figure works in tandem with the devil and the false prophet to wage war on God and on, on his people. He's a, a part of this uh, demonic trinity, a counterfeit of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But today, the spirit of Antichrist works inside certain people to carry out Satan's mission. And I don't know about you, but I've never been more aware of the Spirit operating in our nation than I have today. Devil's working overtime because he's furious, because he knows that his days are numbered. That the fingerprints of the Antichrist are everywhere around us today, and if you're not aware of his strategies, John says you can, be, you can fall under his influence. Let me give you six observations to, 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 to identify the Antichrist spirit that's in the world today. Number one, Understand, the Antichrist spirit hates God. The Antichrist spirit hates God. The devil wants you know, all the attention that only God deserves. He hates all righteousness. He hates all goodness. He wants evil to triumph. That's why people who hate God celebrate sin. And that's why we see it in our own educational system, a systematic attempt to replace Christian values with atheism and the Marxist uh, critical race theory. We're seeing that going on today. Antichrist spirit hates God. He's going to do whatever he can to get people to hate God. B, the Antichrist spirit hates life. Peter tells us, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Looking for someone to kill, not only spiritually, but also physically. No wonder the, the devil loves it when people abuse alcohol and drugs and he fuels hatred in people so they'll bite and devour one another. And it's quite obvious that only Satan would convince people that killing an unborn child, even up to the point of delivery, is acceptable. It's demonic. It's the spirit of Antichrist. 
Third thing we see is the spirit of Antichrist hates the family. Not long ago, secular psychologists would have all agreed that children thrive better when they have a mother and a father in the home. Yet today, you can't even suggest that without being mocked or ridiculed by our cancel culture fact checker social media censors. Our universities have become breeding grounds for hostility to anything traditional, including the family and the scientific fact that there are only two genders. The Antichrist spirit twists and perverts that which is normal. Hates the family. Fourth thing that the Antichrist spirit hates is authority. Hates authority. Romans chapter 1, verse 30, Paul mentions those who are backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. When you see hordes of people vandalizing through the streets, spray painting, you know, knocking down windows and glass, stealing things, screaming, cursing, throwing things at police officers, you can be sure that's an antichrist spirit going on. E, the antichrist spirit hates the prophetic word of God. Hates the word of God. I think when Elijah called fire down from heaven and God proved he was real to the whole nation of Israel, Jezebel got very, very angry. She was hell-bent on killing the prophet before he could preach again. That's why we need to be praying for Bible-teaching pastors to stay the course, to continue to boldly proclaim the Word of God, continue teaching prophecy as well, knowing that we're going to step on people's toes in this politically correct culture of ours. And finally, the last thing the Antichrist spirit hates is the church. Hates you. Hates me. Want to keep you from church. That's why we got the, the lockdowns that went on. You know, we as Americans, we have enjoyed more than two centuries of religious freedom. But right now, we know there's brothers and sisters in Christ overseas that live in fear of, of the government either shutting them down or, or terrorists are going to kill them. And I pray that we never see this in the United States, but the same Antichrist spirit that is slaughtering Christians in Afghanistan are certainly wanting to move here and work in the U.S. I don't say that to scare us. We shouldn't be afraid. We've read the book of Revelation. We know how it ends. Jesus wins. But until then, the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard, was coming and is now already in the world. Now again, we know Jesus will rule and reign forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. But in that time, we have praying to do. We have preaching to do. We can't sit back and let the spirit of Antichrist gain ground. We need to get serious about pushing back the darkness. And that brings us to our final point, being a fearless people. Look at verse 4. This is great. John says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I love that promise. Let me read it again, because I messed it up. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember that. We should uh, have that memorized. And then John gives a comparison. Look at verse 5. But they are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You know, they are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world. You know, you watch the TV and some of these shows, and they just pat each other on the back. Worldly things. Oh, yeah, worldly. And they laugh, and, 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 and it's, just, it's just horrible. But John, he turns it around to give us a word of encouragement. Yeah, he's warned them. He's given them a way to test all things. But now he says, wait a minute, you guys, you don't need to be afraid. Why? Because you are of God. 
You're not little gods, but you're of God. In fact, just look at the times John uses that phrase, of God. Verse 1, he uses it, the beloved tested spirits, whether they are of God. Verse 2, of God. Verse uh, 2 again, of God. Verse 3, and every spirit that is not confessed that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh is not of God. Verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Verse 6, we are of God. Again, we're not gods, but we're of God. That phrase means your, your origin, your life is of God. Verse 24 of chapter 3, uh, John says, And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. See, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, dwelling inside of us. He's a resident truth teacher. And that resident truth teacher should give you boldness. Don't be afraid of those coming against the truth. You are of God. He is your lifeline. He is your source. God living in you. They're not of God. They're of this world. They're lost. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to believe that, folks, wholeheartedly. So next time you see a couple coming up, walking up your driveway, you know, a couple of girls, a couple of guys, and you notice they have some propaganda in their hands. They're getting ready to knock on your door. They want to talk to you about God. Before you open that door, pray, Lord, you said in your word that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to rely on your Holy Spirit. I'm going to rely on your word. And, and, and let's go for it. And you open the door. Hi, how are you? So you want to talk to me about God? Sure, I got some time. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. And with a smile on your face and a loving heart, you say, so tell me, who do you say that Jesus is? <laughs> what? You can picture that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll listen to you. I mean, you'd be surprised what God can do through you as you just yield your life to him and say, Lord, use me. Maybe it's being a part of the go team and, and, and going downtown and say, Lord, you know, you, you, you pray, Lord, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So this person coming up, you know, I'm going to offer him some water, some soda, then, then I'm just going to share with them right now. And okay, Lord, here we go. And, and you go for it. And as you're sharing, the Holy Spirit is bringing the truth as we've studied from God's Word. And you've got your Bible and you're sharing with this person. And you're sharing and you're saying, hey, God loves you. And no matter what you're going on in your life. And, 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 and the person goes, whoa, I needed to hear that right now. What must I do to be saved? And you go, whoa, I didn't know it could be like this. It's surrendering to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to work and move in your life. Coming alongside someone and saying, listen, I know the way. Jesus is the way. Here's how you get to Him. Think of it this way. What if you flew to New York? Let's say you've never been there and you get to the airport and you're supposed to get to downtown uh, at a meeting and someone hands you a map and tells you, okay, you need to take this subway to this street, get off the subway, go up, go walk a block, then get on a different subway over here, turn left here, then, then turn right again. You, your head would be spinning. Wouldn't you rather have someone walk up to you and say, okay, listen, I'm, I'm going to be at that meeting. Just come with me. I'll show you how we get there. You wouldn't say, no, I think I'd rather do the map and try for myself. No. Listen, you've got the Holy Spirit to, to guide you in all truth, living within you. And if, if you're going in a different direction and you're not sure if it's the right direction, you've heard something and you've seen something, you're not sure, you know that you can test it with the Word of God. You have nothing to be fearful of. See, that will make you a fearless preacher. Listen, don't be afraid to speak up and speak out against those things that are unbiblical and heretical. You have the answers found in God's Word and the power of God's Holy Spirit.
to share it. It's like this. You know, the walls of a, of a submarine that descend two miles down into the Mariana Trench off the Pacific Ocean, they are constructed of this thick steel plates to withstand the tremendous pressure placed upon them. But the pictures taken from that heavily protected submarine reveal something amazing. There's fish swimming around two miles below the surface of the water with scales no thicker than regular any other fish. How is this possible? The answer is simple. The pressure on the inside of those fish is equal to the pressure of the water around them. That's the beauty of Christianity. Now, some people, they, 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 they put up these huge walls to insulate themselves and isolate themselves from the attacks of the enemy only to find themselves in frustration and isolation. The key is not to put up massive walls to protect you from the enemy, but to realize the one inside you is greater than whatever pressure threatens you on the outside. Finally, I want to go back to verse 5 and 6. Again, John says, They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let me tell you exactly the point that John's making. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you belong to God. You, dear children, are of God. You are the beloved of God. You belong to Him. Your source, your life is from God. Those that are in the world, they're not from God. Their source is from the world. Their source is from a demonic spirit out there. It's demonic. It's the spirit of Antichrist that is in the world. We are of God. Different pronoun. You are of God. They are not. We are of God. And John says, And he who knows God hears us. Here's who. The words that John is saying. The words that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Jude, Paul, Peter, the apostles. God's word. You hear God's word. You listen to God's word. These false prophets, they're not of God. So don't listen to them, John said. Don't, don't be gullible. I would always recommend that you hide behind the scriptures. That you cling to God's word. You know, it's not safe to say, well, you, you know... I, I, I believe this because I, it feels right. <laughs> no, our, our feelings can lie to us. Always hide behind the word. I believe this because the Bible says this or that. I always, I'd rather hide behind the text. When we study together, I would rather the scripture speak for itself than to me to say, well, well, this is what I think it says. But then you need to test what I say with scripture as well. You know, I do my best, but we all need to be Bereans to, to see if these things that we're saying are true. You know, I, I believe my ministry is to study the text all week long, understand it, to present it to you, and, and you and I then must do what it says. And sometimes it steps on people's toes. And I've said this before, understand, it hits me before it hits you, okay? It was like, oh, Tom, oh, okay, now you need to share that. Oh, yeah, but it hurt. Yeah, but you need to share this. You know, people won't be happy with what I say, but I have to remind them I didn't write it. God did take it up with him. But I would encourage you to do what he's telling you to do. I want to close with this, and we'll enter into a time of communion. Back in the Middle Ages, right before the Reformation, ignorance, superstition pervaded the church, and religion was just formalism. It was dead. It was cold. They went through rituals, and the people were forbidden from reading the Scriptures, from reading the Bible. They weren't allowed to read the Bible. I mean, can you imagine that? Rather, they said, let us tell you what the Bible says. But the problem was that many of the clergy before the Reformation didn't even read the Bible for themselves. And so in the 1500s, at a, a debate in Germany, Martin Luther stood up and he said these words. 
A simple layman armed with the scriptures is to be believed above a pope or a council without it. I mean, could you imagine during that time standing up and saying that? But then he goes on to say, As to the Pope's decree on indulgences, I say that neither the Church or the Pope can establish articles of faith. These must come from Scripture. For the sake of Scripture, we must forsake Popes and councils. And from that point, Martin Luther's famous words came, Solo Scriptura. Only the Word of God determines what we do. None of man's traditions or culture, it is the Word of God. So don't believe everything you hear. Test it, prove it by Scripture, and then stand upon it. And don't be afraid. Don't fear those who are deceived. Like I said, red lights will go off. You'll know. You'll be watching something or listening to something. Go, wait, wait, that's not right. Why? Because you know God's Word. You guys know the Word here in this church. One more quote this morning from William Lyon Phelps of Yale University, a professor, uh, professional educator taught from 1892 to 1933. He said this, I thoroughly believe in a university education for both men and women, but I believe a knowledge of the Bible without a college course is more valuable than a college course without the Bible. Everyone who has a thorough knowledge of the Bible may truly be called educated, and no other learning or culture, no matter how extensive or elegant, can form a proper substitute. Good words. Test what you hear. Test what you watch. It might seem benign, but test the spirit, the source behind it. Do you know what you believe? George Whitfield, he was a British evangelist, was speaking to a man about his soul. And he asked the man, Sir, what do you believe? I believe what the, my church believes, the man replied respectfully. And what does your church believe? Well, the same thing I believe. And what do both of you believe? The preacher inquired again. We both believe the same thing, was the only reply he could get. Listen, maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure what you believe. Let me tell you, by believing in Jesus Christ, by putting your faith and trust in him who died on the cross for your sin, rose again the third day, confessing that you are a sinner, turning from your sin, turning to Jesus Christ, he will save you. Perhaps you're not following Christ because of deception. You've been deceived. You, you've, you've listened to other philosophies. I thought growing up, all the good works that I, I did was going to get me to heaven. I listened to the, the church that told me that, that you work hard and, and you do these certain things, you go to heaven. Until I read God's word and said, wait a minute, I'm not saved by, by works, I'm saved by faith. Through grace. Maybe a uh, Maybe you don't know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord here this morning, before we enter into communion, I pray you make that commitment to Him. Say, Lord, thank you for dying for me, rising again from the dead. I want to put my faith and trust in you and you alone. Forgive me my sin. I turn from it today. You pray that prayer. God will come into your life. You're going to be born again this morning. For us, we want to pray for an infilling of God's Holy Spirit. Help us to be strong in the days in which we're living in. Help us not to give in to sin so that we can stay holy and pure, so God can use us in mighty ways to affect this world around us. Let's pray and we'll enter into communion. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to join in in communion. Lord, to remember, Jesus, the, the words that you said prior to your death on the cross as you took the cup and you took the bread and you broke it and gave it out and said, this is your body and blood that would be shed for us meaning what you would be going through on the cross for the remission of sins. And Lord, you said, do this in remembrance until you return. Lord, we want to do this very up to the very moment that you call us to be with you. 
Lord, just remembering what you've done for us and the love that you poured out for us. Lord, having your word as truth and knowing, Lord, by faith, believing your word, that what it said is true is that we are born again as we give our life to you. Thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for what communion represents. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are coming again. Lord, bless this time of communion, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.